We are hopefully live. If we are, maybe give us a little sign of life in the chat. I am going to start and introduce our guests today. Um, we're here to talk about log lines and story today. Um, we've got three great guests, a panel, and we're going to talk about log lines and story. Um, before we do that, I just want to say a special Monday episode of the uh, live stream uh, with filmmaker, writer, producer, Gabby Ravia Lugo. We're going to talk about the path to becoming a multi-hyphenate fellowships and answer questions from the chat. That's Monday, this coming Monday in two days at 12 noon Pacific time. And next Saturday, we've got another uh, live stream as well, our normal Saturday stream. Uh, it's at 10 a.m. next Saturday, and it's uh, the assistant room. We've got a bunch of veteran support staffers, um, Aaron Connolly, who was on Iron Fist, Shelby Enloe from Sunnyside, and Ed McCarthy on Paper Girls. And we're going to be talking about breaking in as an assistant uh, as a route to the writer's room, uh, what it takes to be a support staffer, and where to find those rare sought-after support staffer assistant positions. Uh, but today, today we've got on a great panel. We're going to be talking about log lines and story and specifically turning ideas into a story and the difference between the two, because from reading some log lines, it's uh, not clear if that's apparent. Um, we're joined today by a frequent guest and contributor. He's a story editor at WME, the host, founder, creator, uh, guru at the Facebook group, The Inside Pitch. He is a brilliant man. Uh, and a good friend, Christopher Lockhart. Welcome to the podcast, Christopher. Hey, Kevin. Uh, also, hey, Aaron. Also joining us now, today. Is it, is it, go ahead. It, go ahead. It, I want to get it straight. Is yeah. it Jelena or is the J pronounced a different way? It's actually Yelena. So thank you, Helena. Hel okay. So it's with a Y sort of a Y sound, Yelena. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Next. Okay. So we are also, uh, today is a TV writer on Disney's Sydney to the Max. He's also worked in various capacities on dozens of other film and TV projects, including Logan, Bones, Body of Proof, AB Bio, Las Vegas, and many, many others. He's the author of the book Karma Police and has one of the funniest Twitter accounts in human history, Aaron Wiener. Thanks for joining us, Aaron. Hi, thanks, Kevin. Great to be back. Uh, and finally, we're also very happy to have back on a TV writer who who rose to viral internet fame with a West Wing tweet spec, or is that a spec tweet? Uh, she's been a semifinalist for the Sundance Episodic Lab, and she's worked as a writer for Disney Digital, Business Insider, Medium, and Parcast, working on top-ranked scripted podcasts such as Serial Killers, Hostage, and Falls from Grace. She's an endurance writer which we'll have to figure out exactly what that means. Uh, and she's the founder of hashtag WGA Virtual Mix, Yelena War. Hey, Yelena, how are hello, you? Welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me back. A couple people are saying this is laggy. So let me see if I can try to fix that while we are talking. Um, hmm. Log lines are incredibly important, as we all know, as they are used for many different purposes, uh, most notably to get attention uh, to your script, get people to actually read your script. Um, can you maybe, Chris, could you start off, tell us what is a logline for the uninitiated and why is it important? Well, logline is just, it is a very brief description of your screenplay in the most basic way, really just, uh, uh, 
presents the uh, dramatic through line, who the protagonist is, what the protagonist wants, and what stands in the protagonist's way. You're basically just summarizing the first act with the first act break, which then allows a person to understand the action that's going to take them through the second act. And then it, it, we are our, um, our skills to understand probably what the climax is going to look like. So um, it's just, it's really just three pieces of basic information that, that allows me to understand what the movie is. Cause it's really less about the script and more about what is this movie? Because when I look for scripts, I'm really not looking for scripts. I'm really looking for movies. That's my job, right? Mm -hmm. um, so kind of think of it as a trailer for your screenplay. And, uh, or it's a window into your screenplay. It gives me just a nation so I can understand who the protagonist is, what they want, which propels us through the entire story, of course, and then what stands in their way. And if I just have that information and maybe a little bit of irony tossed in there, um, you can do it all in one sentence. If you've written, if, if, if you've written a screenplay, you should be able to do it in one sentence. If you've written 120 pages that you call a screenplay, uh, uh, but you can't do it in a sentence. All right. Maybe, maybe two sentences, but if, but, once it goes beyond that, it's longer log line. And, uh, and my guess is that it's, is that the log line's not in trouble, but the screenplay mm. is in trouble because the, because the, because the log line for me, I can look at a log line and see right into the screenplay. I know exactly what works. I know exactly what doesn't work. Uh, I know all of the mechanisms in that story from the log line. And if the log line is bad, I know that the screenplay is bad. No matter how much a writer tells me, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm just not good at log lines. Mm -mm, sorry. I have, you know, look, I've read over 60,000 screenplays. I have read and written, I don't know, probably hundreds of thousands of log lines. And, and I've also had the ability to read thousands of log lines before I read the screenplay. So I can actually read a log line, make an assessment of what the screenplay is, and then see how close I am. And I'm usually right. And, and um, so a log line could tell you a lot. It's like reading a poem. It, it just, it tells you a lot. And they're used all the time in the business. So, you know, look, if you're Steve Zalian, yeah, maybe you don't need to use a log line anymore. Although you're still gonna want to perhaps communicate your story idea to people, but most people are probably willing to read a Steve Zalian script without him having to share a log line. But if you're somebody who's trying to get into the business and uh, you don't have a lot of friends, uh, you don't have a very large network, uh, and you have to communicate your screenplay to somebody, you do it through a log line. And we use them all the time at work. They're used to constantly work. Anytime anybody's pitching a story, producers send me scripts, there's a log line in there. Studio sends me a script, there's a log line in it. Coworker, log line in it all the time. Mm -hmm. When you're coming up with a log line for your script, Aaron, or Yelena, we'll start off with Aaron, uh, what are some of the things that you, obviously it's, it, it, it's, script by script it's obviously each one will be different but what are some of the things that you do to put together your log line what are, what are the things that you need to make sure you're that are in your log line and some of the things that you think are extraneous 
Yeah, so that's a very good question. I think, you know, there are many different ways to think about a log line. I think uh, the, the main way that I think Chris was talking about and, and I think is, is probably the most well-known is the log line as a sales tool, right? As something that to someone uh, so that they'll have an idea of what's going on in your brain, right? That's what we do as writers. We're, we're, we're showing our brain to other people using words. And so what I like to look for uh, when I'm writing a log line is who is my character and how are they going to show me what the story is, right? What, what, who are they? What do they want? And what may happen to them as they go on this journey of, of trying to get what they want? And so uh, that to me is, is kind of how I approach that. And when I, I think you and I have spoken about this in a previous episode of the show, when I conceptualize a, a new project, the idea is, uh, is paramount. And then when I have the idea for the world and, and the, the engine of the show, the idea then is, I start to think about who uh, may be characters who would populate this world. And so I think the, uh, the two are, are very closely connected and related. Mm -hmm. And when you when you finish a log line or when you've written out your log line yelling out, what do you do with it? Do you take it to get feedback from other writers, from your manager? Where do you go to make sure that this this works and it, it actually tells your story in a way that you feel it needs to be told and they, they understand what you're trying to convey? I, I usually kick a log line back and forth with my best friend, who's also a writer, a few times before I even start working on something, just to be sure that I'm at the point where I actually have an idea that can be described in a sentence before I try to then go write that idea. So in that early stage, it's just, you know, within my writing group, with my best friend, with maybe a couple of other people for second opinions that I'll just text them and say, you know, hey, what, what do you think from this log line? What do you think the script is? Do you think it's a pilot? Do you think it's a feature? Uh, do you want to read it? Are you curious about it? And then I go write the thing. And then I go back and I see if the log line that I wrote before writing the thing is actually the thing that I wrote, which it often is not. Uh, and if not, then I come up with a new log line. And at that point, the log line has transitioned into just a tool to get people to read it. So at that point, the only feedback on it that I want is from my managers. So I, I just send the, once the, the script itself has cleared the hurdle of my managers feeling that it's ready to go out, then they say, what's the log line? I send them a log line and either they, they like it or they say, hey, take another pass at the log line. I don't think it describes the protagonist accurately or I, I don't think it really conveys the tone of the script. So at that point, it's really a tool for my managers to then attach to an email where they're trying to get somebody to read the script. So what it needs to do is hook somebody into actually reading generally about 60 pages. Mm -hmm. It's like you have an inactive character. And if you had written the logline first, you probably would have realized, gee, I'm having a hard time writing a logline because, well, the character is not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Which is an issue. Most screenplays from new writers that actor is inactive. Right. Have any sort of writers who are struggling with their own log line? And this is for the whole panel. Well, go to your story. If, if the log line's not working, then the screenplay is probably not working. Because you can write a log line that, that sort of uh, works, but isn't great. And you know that it's not 
quite great. And you can take 15, 20 minutes to tinker with it and then eventually get it right. Uh, but uh, a bad log line to me suggests that there are a lot of uh, uh, dramatic issues with the screenplay itself. So always just ask yourself, who is the protagonist? What does the protagonist want? And what stands in the protagonist's way? And in regards to what does the protagonist want, because that is truly the weakest area in most screenplays, and certainly it reflects, is that this is, this is a movie. So the want needs to be something that is dramatic and something that is cinematic, not novelistic, not like, oh, he wants to find inner peace. Like, that's great. You know, like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz is looking for inner peace. But in the log line, she's trying to find her way back to Kansas. Right. Right. And her search to get back to Kansas is really just a dramatic metaphor for that that she's going for to try to find her place in the world, which in the end, she finds out that she didn't need to go over the rainbow to find her place, that she belongs right exactly where she is. So. Um, so it's really about what is your character character active in a cinematic and dramatic sense. Maybe you could give us an example of what you would consider to be a good log line. Like if you have one that you can think of, or even if you want to look on your computer real quick uh, and find a log line that you really think worked. Uh, I know Chris is an expert at it, so we'll let Chris go first because he... Oh, come on, I you were, you gotta pull them up. You are an expert. I had, we had, we had, That's we true. had all, all of this time, all of this downtime when I could have been pulling them up. And that now, is true. And now you throw me on the spot. That's um, true. Yeah, you know, give me a minute and I'll pull up a few. Okay, Aaron, what's the best? What's what's a logline for one of your things, or you know, things that you've worked on maybe or something? Is well, I mean, I can give you, I can give you like a quick, uh, instant logline for the show that I work on, Sydney to the Max. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Perfect. Uh, and, 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 you know, just a disclaimer, this is for a television show as opposed to a film. So sure. So a quick, you know, uh, uh, wrap up of what, what the show is. Uh, it follows a middle schooler named Sydney Reynolds as she navigates uh, middle school life with the help of her dad and grandma. And as she encounters each new challenge, um, you know, the show flashes back to the 90s when her father was a little boy um, living with her grandma who plays his mother in the 90s. And so it, it's a it's a fun show that exists in two time periods with two kids of that age growing up and and you know navigating life that way. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know I think what I was saying before uh, applies here, which is you know thinking about your logline as a way to to share your your thoughts and feelings about your story with your audience. Um, I think a couple of the uh, discussions we were having before alluded to the idea that you know, your log line is something that's malleable and can change. And so I think it's really, it really comes down to being able to talk about your project in a succinct uh, and, and exciting way. And I think that's, that's ultimately what a log line is. And uh, to me, at least, and, you know, I think it changes because your perception and your progress on your own story is constantly changing as well. So the way that you may describe it, the way that you may write it, I know that in television production, uh, with every show that I work on, we are constantly changing uh, different versions of an episode or a season because we're figuring it out as we go. Uh, and, and we have an idea at the beginning of what 
uh, a season or an episode looks like, a pilot looks like, and then as we write, the logline uh, evolves and adapts. Mm -hmm. um, so, Christopher Lockhart, you look like you've got your list up. Can you throw something? Can you throw us a logline? All right. So this is the actual logline that I sent to John David Washington, mm -hmm. who starred in The Black Klansman, for The Black Klansman. Colorado Springs' first black policeman infiltrates the local chapter of the KKK, posing as a white man, with the intent of taking down the organization. Okay. No, that's good. It's clear. It's concise. It lets you know exactly what's going on. It's compelling. And then, uh, you know, and then, then he can ask questions. Mm -hmm. Now, is that a logline you wrote or is that a logline that the writer actually wrote for his... No, this is one that I wrote. Oh, great. I never, I never use anybody else's log lines. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I just, you know, just, just because I have to send it to my client. And uh, so I, I really want it to be for me because then I'll often have to engage in a conversation. And, and so I just want it all to sort of come from me. Mm -hmm. So um, all of this work that, that I'm doing when I write a log line is just in hopes of getting to the point where you throw away my log line. You know, probably because one. because ultimately, uh, you know, maybe I just have a really big ego. Uh, and by the way, we're talking about writing log lines. You know, I'm not splitting an atom. So, um, but uh, yeah, I always feel like I can do a much better job on a log line. Uh, because often I feel like writers tend to put in more information than is really necessary for the log line. Um, so, and you know, like my clients, they can get distracted very easily. Plus they have all kinds of projects are being waived at them. You know, I work with Denzel Washington, working with him for 25 years. He gets thousands of offers a year to be in all kinds of projects. And, and so, you know, their attention span is, is very short when it comes to this stuff. So, you know, I feel like I know best how to communicate a story to them in a way that is going to be receptive. Mm -hmm. so, Chris, you, you actually said something really interesting there. I just wanted to, to kind of highlight because I was listening to, to, to the logline. Uh, I, I found it incredibly appealing from the perspective of somebody who may be playing that character, right? Uh, it, we were talking about ways that you may be, you know, uh, using a logline. This is a way maybe where you're you're trying to attach talent or you're trying to get talent interested. The other thing I'll say, just because uh, kind of as a quick takeaway from what I loved about that log line is, it tells me who the character is, what they want, how they're gonna do it, and maybe why they're doing it, all in one sentence, which is, I mean, if you think about it, it's an incredibly powerful statement, uh, quick statement, because it really gives you, you know, most if not all of the information you need to know what the story is ultimately going to be. Yeah, and you know, look, like there are a lot of amazing things in the screenplay that are not included here. Like, for example, his relationship with his coworker, the Adam Driver character, right? And uh, but but that that information wouldn't be essential for the logline, in in my opinion. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just always trying to find the most streamlined way to present the dramatic core of the story. So somebody can see it and say, you know something, I can see a movie there. Mm -hmm. And then, and then they want to know more. Um, can I read my log line for Jaws? No, yeah. I did not send a log line to uh, Roy Scheider <laughs> or, because I was 
because I was a child when <laughs> Jaws came out. But so here's a logline for Jaws. Um, a hydrophobic sheriff struggles to kill a man-eating shark during tourist season when the Chamber of Commerce refuses to close the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look, there's probably a thousand different ways that you can write a logline for Jaws. I'm not saying mine is the only way, or I'm not saying that it's the best way, but to me, it, it's sort of, it's, it's streamlined. And Kevin, uh, you know, that, that logline actually illustrates a point that I made before that I want to come back to, which is that was a hydrophobic uh, uh, sheriff, right? And, and Jaws, right? So mm-hmm. you look at these two elements that are, that are uh, opposed to each other, right? You look at a character who is serving, um, who's serving a purpose in the story. You have this incredible world, this incredible uh, shark that's going to obviously become this iconic figure in history. What is a character that best serves that story? A hydrophobic sheriff. Right. And so when I'm when I'm looking at building the pieces of a compelling story, those are those are ideas that come to mind. And certainly they're ideas that make their way into a streamlined summary of what my project is going to become. And I I think that is such a great point, which is which is that um, sometimes writers don't have the best character in their story. And, and so just playing around with a log line in the beginning might really enable you to sort of uh, come up with that character, tweak that character somehow, some way. So the character conflicts with the story more. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, if the sheriff were, um, you know, an Olympic surfer, for example, you know, a gold medalist swimmer turned sheriff. I don't know, maybe that doesn't create as much conflict as a sheriff who's afraid of water. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see the gold medal swimmer get eaten. <laughs> well, that would be nice. Yes, yes. That's a great I don't want to see him beat the shark. I want to see him get eaten. Wasn't that a commercial where Michael Phelps raced a shark or something like that, but it was a digital shark for Shark Week? I think that was like an ad campaign slash gimmick that they ran on Shark Week. Like Michael Phelps races a shark or something like that, but it was digital and all that kind of thing. But anyway, that it... I would watch that. Um, <laughs> can I do one more? Yeah, please. All right, and again, let me let me find it. How about I do a bad log line and then do a better log line? <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to do a bad log line and then and then a better log line. So here's a bad log line, in my opinion, for the six steps. When a young boy claims to see dead people, a distraught psychologist struggles to help him. When a young boy claims to see dead people, a distraught psychologist struggles to help him. Now that, you know, that, that to me is a pretty, that's a pretty accurate uh, log line for, um, for the success. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe it could be written in a slightly better way. How about this? A distraught psychologist struggles to help a young boy overcome a bizarre affliction. The boy sees dead people. Hmm. Yeah. Especially because you leave the surprise at the end. You leave the best for last. Yeah. Right. So you kind of build to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I'm not saying it is the best version of the log line. Um, but, uh, you know, throwing in an adjective to describe the character. Right. So it's a. He's a distraught psychologist mm-hmm. rather than just a psychologist. 
or rather than the character's name, which for me never helps, never helps to say, Joe struggles to help a young boy because I don't know who Joe is, right? So names don't help, proper names don't help. Right. Uh, trying to find a way to describe the character, you know, with a noun and an adjective to me is much more effective. Now, now the exception to that would be, of course, if you were writing about like Henry VIII or Napoleon. Or Aaron Brockovich. Yes, however, however, my caveat would still be that you might still need an adjective oh, because sure. because Abraham Lincoln in the John Ford movie, movie Abe Lincoln in Illinois, is a very different Abe Lincoln than the Steven Spielberg movie Lincoln. They're two incredibly different Abraham Lincolns. And so to just say Abraham Lincoln maybe is not enough, uh, but to describe with an adjective might help to really sort of orient us as to uh, who Abraham Lincoln is in this story. We know he's the president, but uh, in Abe Lincoln, Illinois, he's this he's this young you know, he's this young politician, and in Lincoln, he's really sort of at the end of his life, struggling uh, to pass a constitutional amendment. So, uh, you know, very, very different depictions. You also use the adjective distraught in describing uh, Bruce Willis's character. And without spoiling the movie for anyone, uh, that, that, that is something that plays quite a role in the way that the story unfolds. And so I think that that is actually a critical element of, of the logline uh, as it is and, mm -hmm. and a unique selling tool for that particular project. And you could, of course, you know, there could be 80,000 other potential adjectives. This, this is not necessarily the best one. So it's, it's, it's always about tinkering. Like at work, I'll often sort of slave over a logline a little bit, especially if, if, if the script is a little bit problematic. And so like, I don't like to spend more than 15 or 20 minutes on logline because I have a lot of other things that I have to be doing, but, um, uh, but I will always play around with the adjectives and the nouns and really like what is like, what's the best way to describe the Bruce Willis character? What's the best way to describe um, the Sheriff Brody character in Jaws? And, and, and often I will think, my God, I've come up with the, the, the greatest, just the absolute greatest solution. And then a coworker will read it and go, you know, how about you say blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, God, that's even better. Yeah, and, and I think also this illustrates the point of if you're if you're having trouble with your log line, maybe you are having trouble in your in your script. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I read a lot of scripts as just part of my my work and, you know, outside of work. And I really want to know who your main character is, what they and what they want, you know, right in the first couple pages. And so, you know, if you if you're struggling with your log line, and you, you don't know those things in your log line uh, and you've already written a script or part of a script or an act, those are things that I think need to be addressed in the script first. Uh, you know, tell me in the first couple pages who your character is, uh, you know, show me, show me through action what they want, where they're coming from, who they are, describe them for me, and then, and then show me active steps to them trying to get what they want right away. Mm -hmm. uh, get the story going. Otherwise, you're not going to grab me as a reader the same way you're not going to grab me with your logline. Um, Yelena, do you have a logline you want to throw at us? 
Sure, yeah. And I am by no means the type of expert that any of the other folks on the panel are. So feel free to pick these apart. I will not be offended. I have a much easier time doing other people's log lines than my own. <laughs> As do we all, by the way. As do we all. Because you're not precious about anything in someone else's. You mm -hmm. can yank out their favorite part of it and you don't know that that was their favorite part of it. You can just see that it didn't deserve to be there. Um, so I think, uh, I think Chris has actually seen this particular logline before and moved it forward in the script subscribes logline contest. So I'll start with the one that I know that Chris at least liked somewhat. Uh, so this is my, my general kind of calling card script that gets me most of my meetings. And the logline is a foul mouthed forensic sculptor trying to kick her fentanyl habit discovers her creations can speak to her and help her solve their murders, but only when she's using. Hmm. Was this a TV show? I'm this is yeah, yeah. This is yeah. TV, everything yeah. everything with me is pilots. I can give you okay. I can give you a very much in development one. I am writing a feature, so we can we can play with my one that I haven't even written the the script yet if we want to. But but I remember that from um, from Kevin's contest. I, I do. You know, logline madness. Um, yes, it was, it was it madness. It was madness. Um, Okay, good. So I, I thought that that it's it's a good logline, and it reminded me a little of the logline Chris had for Sixth Sense, in that you had that surprise at the end, which I think is important. I think that that really kind of grabs the reader. Um, yeah, you really have to think about how you structure the logline, also. So yeah. uh, because you really are trying to structure it for maximum impact, right? So. Yes, you're trying to get out all of this information in the most streamlined way possible, but you also want to create, you know, a little bit of sizzle in it, if possible. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a scene, right? Like I was just having this conversation on Twitter last night, remembering a, a piece of writing advice that I got from Matt Witten, who wrote on House and a bunch of other shows and now teaches at UCLA, which is your character should as much as possible, never enter a scene expecting something and leave the scene having gotten the thing that they expected. And it's, it's kind of the same for log lines is the, the reader should never enter the log line expecting something from the first couple of words and then leave the log line having gotten exactly what they expected from the first couple of words. Right. I think that's a really interesting point. And, and because it doesn't mean that the logline will be bad if you get everything that you expect, but it will mean that it is pedestrian, right? So, so I'll say, oh, yeah, like the logline works, but I've seen this before. Where's the hook, right? Because look, ultimately, like even with the sixth sense, like let's really stop and think about the sixth sense, which I think is a brilliant movie, right? But it's it's just a ghost story, right? It's like, but the kid doesn't see ghosts. He sees dead people, hmm. right? But they're ghosts, right? It's just, you know, M. Night just kind of rebrands it. And so it's sad. And it's not it, a sixth sense at all. That's the thing that drives me nuts about the sixth sense is the, he's using one of the five senses to see these ghosts. Right. There's no sixth sense. His eyes just are seeing other things. That's, That's an interesting point. However, though, one could argue that being able to see spirits is a sixth sense. Right. Also, it's also, like an extra sensory perception. Also, it's I think like, you can you can look at that movie as as a logline, right? 
you look if you you know again not to spoil it but the the moment at the end of the movie <laughs> is is the end of the logline right if your or the way that you could tell a logline if you wanted to give away the end of the movie just the way you know i write a lot of jokes you want to end the joke on the right word you want to end the joke on the right phrase it's the same thing you want to end on uh an up moment for whoever is hearing or reading your material um and and i think it, the, the the brilliance to me of that film is is the is the way the story is told uh ending with that incredible moment at the end is is uh is to me what made that 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 movie so unique because you're right chris it it's it's just another ghost story it's just the way that it's told is to me what makes it unique yeah. and, and it's, uh, it's very emotional it's really for me just Anytime I read a script, I want an emotional experience. For me, reading screenplays and making movies is not an intellectual experience. It is first and foremost an emotional experience. And, um, and that to me is what's so effective about The Sixth Sense is that it really, uh, it, it, like every time I see that scene with him and his mother in the car and he starts to tell her how grandma was there the day that you know she did i'm like crying like a baby you know and this is supposed to be a ghost story like you know why am i crying so uh, and by the way i saw that ending a million miles away i saw that ending a million miles away when i saw the movie and it didn't matter it didn't matter because the journey was so compelling that story would work even without that twist ending which is why the twist ending is so effective and why the movie is so good. And then of course, you'll note that we don't include the ending, that twist in the log line, hmm. right? Because often a lot of people will say, oh gee, I want to include my twist in the log line. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, you want to include the twist in the log line because your log line sucks. And you believe that by including the twist, it's going to uh, add extra life to it. But look, the logline for the sixth sense is pretty compelling without us knowing that twist in the end. Right. Right. Um, and I was the one with the friend who told me what the ending was before I got to see it. So anyway. Um, well, I mean, it, it, it really doesn't matter if the movie's good enough, right? No, like sure. Hamilton, the very first song, Aaron Burr tells you he shot Hamilton if you didn't know historically that Aaron mm. Burr shot Hamilton. And so you yeah. know you're watching a movie that's going to end with Aaron Burr shooting Alexander yeah. Hamilton, but we you're, know you're we crushed. know that we know that William Holden is going to drown in a swimming pool in Sunset Boulevard. We know that Kevin Spacey is going to die at the end of American Beauty. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's uh, but that's always the key. And so when I talk to writers and they're so excited about the about the end and the twist. And, and that they want to build their whole pitch around a, a twist. It's such a red flag for me. It's such a red flag because I know that, man, everything else probably isn't as good. And then the reality is, is that nobody may ever get to that twist because they might, as Aaron said earlier, tune out of the script by page 10. Right, which I'm sure yeah, happens. And I think I think you know an effective screenplay is going to have characters that you care about, that you want to follow, that you attach yourself to early on in the story. Uh, you you want someone to root for, you want someone maybe even to root against, you want someone to follow and be interested and see what happens to them on their journey in in trying to get what they want. And and I think that a great logline will include that as well. 
Right. Absolutely. Um, and I wanted to touch a little bit about onto story and specifically how sometimes when a log line is either too vague uh, or too complicated, that it can often, as Chris was saying before, uh, illustrate the potential problems in, in, in an idea being not fully formed or an idea that's just convoluted and there's just a lot going on there and it needs to be distilled down to what it is. So maybe we can, I, I can jump to Chris really quickly and talk a little bit about what you were talking about in terms of figuring out, like, because sometimes people will come up with a log line first, or at least some form of it, they have an idea, and figuring out if that idea is actually a story, if you can develop it into a story, or if it's just a concept or something very loose, uh, because as writers, I'm sure everyone has a friend who has come to them and said, I have a great idea for a story, pitched you something, and it was really not a whole story. It was, you know, again, I always use the example of, it was a guy who skateboards really well, and he wins an award. Well, that's not really a story. There's no character development. There's no, you know, stakes. That there's no, you know, beginning, middle, and end. It's just a character, really. Um, my favorite is the, the, I think my life would make a really good movie, and then they tell you the story of 40 years of their life, and it's right. like, okay, but how do you believe I can put that in an hour and a half in a way that makes a compelling story because that's 40 years of your life? Right, right. Um, so maybe, but Chris, we'll start with you and then we'll, we'll jump to Yellen and Aaron to talk about uh, how they work, uh, develop story, you know, ideas into story and figuring out which ideas are actually, you know, you, you know, the process of turning an idea into a story, not just using, you know, a character or something like that. Um, so Christopher, when you uh, start by, when you see a log line and you decide um, from amateurs, obviously we're not talking about professional writers. How can you tell that it's most likely sort of underdeveloped, it's not a full story, or how can you tell where this is just way off the rails, there's like too much crammed into a specific log line to form an intelligible story? Well, first of all, let me just say that uh, that can happen with professional writers are not always great at writing log lines. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's not what they do. They write dramas. Uh, you know, writing a log line is a different skill than writing a screenplay or writing a pilot. It's it is a different skill. I say that is an important skill, but it is a different skill. Uh, so uh, so anybody can screw up a log line. And um, uh, and again, uh, a logline really is, uh, especially if you're contemplating it before you write the screenplay. It is it is your it is your idea, right? It's the idea, and so it is a it is it is a test to see does the idea have any dramatic merit. And um, so what do I look for? You know, again, it's those, it's, it's, it's those three elements, right? Which we've said over and over again. Uh, and then um, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for conflict, right? So for me, I'm, I'm always looking for the conflict. Like uh, um, how, how is the protagonist conflicting with 
the scenario at, at hand, right? And um, um, I wanna be able to understand the inner conflict, uh, which we can do by saying a distraught psychologist, for example, you know, and um, it doesn't give me great insight, uh, but it allows me to see that there is conflict there. Uh, a little bit of irony also helps and, and the irony can all, uh, uh, often be established by who the character is, right? Because this is what Aaron said earlier, which is that you know, trying to find the right, the right character for the right person. I use this analogy on some other podcasts recently and I'm going way back, I apologize, but you know, I'm kind of old. Um, even though this movie, I was like a, a little bitty tot when it first premiered. But look at uh, Franklin Schaffner's Planet of the Apes. All right. So who is the protagonist in that story? He is an astronaut, but, but, and portrayed by Charlton Heston. But what kind of astronaut? Is he, is he a veterinarian? Astronaut? No. Uh, he's a misanthrope. He's somebody who loves being in space because he fucking hates mankind. He thinks he, he thinks that mankind are, are, are animals, hates man. So what does a good writer do? You take that guy and you put him on a fucking planet of apes. How do you like it now, bitch? Huh? How do you <laughs> like it now? And then you go. Right? And there you go. And so now you've got your irony, right? Now you've got a great situation. You have a great character. Like this guy whose whole philosophy was that human beings suck. And now he's in a place that it, sh it should be his dream world, right? Just, just like Oz. Oz should be Dorothy's dream world. But Oz turns into a nightmare. The Planet of Apes turns into a nightmare. That's the way movies are written, right? Mm -hmm. So, so um, that's where you often find the irony there. And so I look for that. And then I just look for, and again, I don't think this is anything that I can really explain because I've just read so many scripts and uh, I've seen so many scripts become movies. And, and um, so I just know when I hear a log line, I just know based on my experience, and again, it's my opinion that this, that this is a movie or this is not a movie based mm -hmm. on my opinion. Now, I may say this isn't a movie and then somebody goes off and makes that movie. Uh, um, but it's certainly not going to be a movie from anybody that I work with. And so, um, and, you know, that's just, that's just stuff that, you know, I bring to the table because, you know, I've just been doing this forever. So there's, so I don't, I don't, I don't really have a checklist. It's just, is this a movie? Mm -hmm. Is this, is this something that I want to spend two hours with? Does this character sound interesting? Can, can, can I bring this to Christian Bale? You know, can I bring this to Matt Damon? Are they going to think that this character is interesting? And literally just based on the log line, I'll make that decision. When I have like a thousand scripts that I have to go through, sometimes if somebody gives me a log line, it can actually be the kiss of death because I look at the log line and I'm like, oh, this, this does not sound interesting, pass. And then mm -hmm. that's two hours that, that I save. Um, Aaron, 
how about you when you're first come up with the germ of an idea how do you develop that into a story how do you see if there's enough there to develop a story even so that's a great question. I, I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast before, but um, my process actually, uh, I believe, is foolproof to that idea. Hmm. And it, it was created that way. What, what, I, what I do when I approach story is I try to listen to what people are thinking and what people are going through out there in the world. Like, what are the big ideas that are out there in the zeitgeist? Uh, I'll give you an example. I've talked about this before. Uh, my novella, Karma Police, that, that the whole project came from the idea of, I looked around and I saw a lot of people just saying like, is, is life fair? Like, is, is what's happening to me and the people who I love, is, is there any reason to any of it all? Or is it just, you know, like just things unfolding without any control at all, right? That idea to me is the engine for a project. And then when I have that idea, that germ of that idea, then it's who is a character who I want to follow in that world, right? Mm -hmm. And so to me, in that particular story, it was a very simple evolution of, well, I want to watch a guy who has had the worst luck in the world, who is just hanging on to whatever he's got to try to, to go through this world and, and maybe get some answers as to whether life is fair and whether there is any rhyme or reason to what's going on out there. And so to me, that is answering all of these questions and these challenges that we've been talking about at the beginning, at the, at the forefront. It's kind of flipping the equation of how we're building this, this, uh, this, this project. And so, so that's kind of my approach. That's how I approach any project, really. Uh, and, and if I have an idea that is maybe a world or a character, then I immediately try to shift back to what, what is the emotion? What is the engine? What is the feeling? Because to me, the reason that I, I think Chris uh, alluded to this earlier about the feeling that he gets when he watches The Sixth Sense, the feeling that you get when you watch American Beauty and, and you, you realize, you know, when he's giving that, that incredible uh, monologue toward the end, um, you know, about how silly his life has been, right? These are, these are the moments that kind of like make the hair on the back of your neck stick up, right? This is, these, are, these are why we watch stories. This is the, the nuts and bolts, like carnal reason why we watch these, these, these events unfold. And so using that as the engine for why you tell uh, these stories, I think is, is essential. And, and, and that's my process. Mm -hmm. And Yelena, how about you? So I think I do Aaron's process, but in the other direction. So mm. typically now, I don't want to over mechanize this because the reality is I get a lot of my ideas in kind of a hypnagogic state between sleep and waking. And the ones that feel like I want to sit down in front of a keyboard and just see what comes out in half an hour of sort of writing a short pitch out and then maybe have a conversation with someone and say, is this, you know, is this interesting enough that you would read the script? If I, can I sell you on this in a 10 minute phone conversation? Can I sell my writing group on this in 15 minutes in one of our writing group Zoom meetings? The, the, the reality is that that's a process that starts in a partially conscious state uh, because I'm very much a, a, I think an intuitive 
writer at the idea stage. And I don't mean that in like a woo-woo intuitive, it comes from the great unknown kind of way, just in that, you know, in the 19th century, composers and scientists were very, very aware that there is a state of unbridled creativity that exists between sleeping and waking. And in fact, Salvador Dali had a, a practice of intentionally falling asleep, holding a key between his thumb and forefinger so that when he nodded off to sleep, his fingers would release and he would drop the key and wake himself up. Hmm. And then he would go paint the images that were in his head in that split second of sleep. So this is very, this is scientific and psychological, not woo woo to me, but that is the, you know, the truth is I'll be pacing around my house at four in the morning because I can't sleep. And that's where I, or I'll sit down to write something else and, and, and I'll look at my paper and I wrote something I didn't intend to write. And that's the germ of an idea. I have a pilot that I, I just started going out with, with my reps. That literally came from, I, I sat down to write a grounded feature about the startup world. And I looked at my document after five pages and I realized that I'd started a zombie pilot instead. Uh, it was not, was not at all the idea that I, I sat at my computer to write and say <laughs> that I didn't do anything with those five pages for six months because I had not invited that in. And then six months later, I actually needed a zombie pilot. So I finished it. Um, but if I, if I reverse engineer it and try to kind of break down what I'm doing in a way that could be a process, I think I, I end up in Aaron's process, but reversed. So I think where I end up starting is a character that is a reasonable fear of someone that I could become under the wrong circumstances. Mm. And then I put that character in a world that would be uniquely challenging to that character, uniquely uncomfortable for that character, but that would also present them with an opportunity to grow. Because I think, I think in everything that I have written so far, on some level, I'm writing about a fear that I would become somebody who's consumed by a flaw and a hope that there would still be a path back to a rational and balanced life, even if I was that person. Hmm. Um, so I've kept you for about an hour and a half, which is about how long we go. And I appreciate your guys' time. We've gone on, on and off, I guess, for the past 90 minutes. Um, I thank you guys all for your time. Uh, I'd love to have you all back on, hopefully at a time when the stream, whichever aspect of it was giving us problems, works next time because i've had you all on before and it's all worked well so i don't know what's going on today but um so i don't keep you all all your entire weekend because we could spend all weekend here trying to fix this mess but i do appreciate you guys coming on and and sharing your uh, wisdom and experience uh chris lockhart you are at well you're at wme but you're also at the inside pitch which is a great facebook page what what's the url for the inside pitch Chris, it's in uh, facebook.com slash. Oh, that's a tough question. We'll, we'll, have, a, yeah, I, we'll I, have a link. I would just, yeah, you can just go to Facebook and, and you know, search for the inside pitch. It'll yeah. come up. Because that's, that's uh, Chris Lockhart's uh, internet home and it's terrific. Great community. Uh, speaking of great communities, Yelena War has a great community on Discord. It's hash, wait, 
we need a discord link we'll put a discord link in because i can't really yeah, it's actually yeah you, there's there's a permanent bit.ly for it it's just bit.ly slash all lowercase wga virtual mix there you go perfect uh and where can they find you on twitter uh, my Twitter is just my name, Yelena War. Uh, that is spelled with a J E L E N A W O E H R. But conveniently, my website is yell in a war, W A R dot com. So if you can't remember how to actually spell my name, just go to my website. That is the phonetic spelling of my name, which I registered and parked and redirected to the actual spelling of my name solely for the enjoyment of putting the phonetic version in my email signature to teach people how to pronounce my name when they get emails from me. Right. Brilliant. Brilliant. And Aaron, you are, you're, people have to follow your Twitter. It's hysterical. I'm always commenting on your Twitter. I don't know where you come up with this stuff. Uh, I don't know if you're sitting around thinking, just working on these jokes because they're fantastic or if they just pop in your head because you're a genius. I don't know which one it is, but you have to follow Aaron uh, Wiener, but it, although it's at Wiener Aaron, um, I don't know who Aaron Wiener is at Aaron Wiener, but we got to figure this out because that's not, they can't be half as good as you uh, on Twitter. Um, Thank you, so, Kevin. You're too kind. I no, I mean it. I mean it. I'm always impressed when I, I read your tweets. Um, I, I, I literally spit water out of my mouth half the time when I read your tweets and I, I, I'm jealous of, of your ability to be as humorous on the tweet as you are. Um, and be sure to watch Sydney to the Max and uh, your book Karma Thank Police you. and all that. Uh, do you have anything else, any other links that people can find you at? Yeah, I also uh, just built a website so uh, you can find me at www.weederaaron.com. Great. Um, so thank you guys all for coming on. Again, I do want you all back. Hopefully next time won't have as many technical problems. Um, and enjoy your weekend, all. And tonight marks the beginning of Passover. So if there are any members of the tribe watching the stream, uh, joyous Passover. Uh, yeah. Is it, what's the correct terminology? Happy Passover? Joyous Passover? Uh, well, you would typically say, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation mm. because I didn't have the opportunity to go to Hebrew school as a child, but the, the proper greeting is Chag Pesach Samiach, which is, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm not actually sure what that means. I just know it's, it's happy Passover, basically. I don't know the literal translation, but uh, you can say you can't say happy or joyous Passover. Either of those is acceptable because it is, it's, it's a happy it's a joyous time of celebrating freedom. There you go. Happy Passover to everyone. Thank you guys all for watching. And thank you guys for coming out this weekend. Uh, spending part of your Saturday with us. I appreciate it. And have a good one. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks guys. Come on, everybody. Thanks, Bye. Kevin.